welcome back to From the City Desk. My name is Hannah Purdy. And I'm Chris McCart. And uh, I feel like I say this every time we do an update, but another month has come and gone. It has. You know, September, we were just talking about this, really went fast. I blinked and it was gone. I, that's what it feels like. It just feels like, you know, in a year where it feels like we're in the 18th month, for whatever reason, September went quick. Maybe that's, maybe we're getting back to normal. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a good thing to hope for, though. Don't, don't speak too soon. <laughs> Speaking of BMA meetings this month, we had two of them, like normal. We did. We did. And we really, we covered a lot this month. You know, when you look at agendas and kind of what we've been doing over the last several months, a lot of our business has been really COVID-related. We've talked about closures, reopenings, partial reopenings, Uh, receiving funding to assist in our efforts with COVID. And we really have just not had that opportunity to talk a lot about moving forward and getting back to some of the things that a year ago we were talking about needing to do. And, you know, looking at our strategic planning session we had way back in February, which seems like forever ago, um, we were talking then about things that we wanted to see uh, us accomplish over the course of the remainder of the calendar year and the end of a fiscal year and moving into a new fiscal year and just really have not been able to get to that until now. That was really kind of the focus of our first work session, which actually took place on August 31st, but had two outstanding presentations that really, I think, kind of are going to set both of these, setting the course for a positive future in terms of development. The first one was an update on Brickyard Park. This is obviously something we've been talking about for quite some time and moving closer and closer to the reality of of that project. Jason Hudson gave the board real brief overview, but the overview was really deep in terms of what it stated and where we were going. And that is the Economic Development Board, at my request, has put together a group of citizens that represent downtown or represent an interest in in the community or the neighboring community around Brickyard to kind of help us put together an RFP. And an RFP is a request for proposals that we would submit to potential developers for the residential development of that. And so we've recently sat down uh, since that meeting and started really having a lot of conversations about what kind of housing are we looking for? What does that facade need to be? How many houses could we potentially put in here? Really focusing on moving towards doing it right and taking the time to do so, making sure that if we do not have certain elements at the table, we bring those to the table in form of consultants or design professionals. And this group is now beginning to have conversations with other cities that have done similar type projects, asking them, what'd you do right? What'd you do wrong? And so on August 31st, the board kind of got a little bit of a snapshot of what that looked like, an introduction to the committee, and really also looking for the blessing of the board to continue down the path we are. The board, very excited about where we're going and said, yes, please proceed and come back and talk to us again about this when you're getting closer to putting this uh, on the street. Second presentation we heard was from our planning manager, Ken Weems, and our assistant to the city manager, Jessica Harmon. One of the things that I talked about well over a year ago when I interviewed for the job as city manager is that I wanted us to focus on housing. I have said 
many times that I believe housing is economic development 101. If we can get new housing or if we can see how housing redevelopment take place within our community, then we are bringing people in that want to live in our city. And by increasing density, we're adding people, we're adding housing. That drives services. That's a major reason why we are continuing to look at housing initiatives within our central business district or our downtown. The more densely populated we are, the more development comes in there to meet those needs. And so in order to do that, you have to kind of step back occasionally and do a SWOT analysis, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And you have to ask yourself, what are the things that we are doing right and what are the things that we are needing to improve upon? Kind of moving through that whole process was also this idea of how do we become one of the best cities in our region to do development work in you know what are the things that we need to do to improve upon that and so ken and jessica started down this process working with alderman james phillips who also has a passion for this he's also a member of the planning commission they started a process over multiple months of meeting with bankers meeting with builders meeting with developers talking to surveyors all of the stakeholders or the customers that we would have in development of residential, commercial, whatever it may be, and really just asking those questions. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What have you seen somewhere else that maybe we should look to replicate that? And so really the first focus was looking at our subregs and looking at the zoning that we have for residential and how do we improve upon that. And so the board heard from them uh, a lot of the feedback they'd received from the groups they've met with. Uh, They talked a lot about changes that they needed to make within the approval process. They talked about changes that needed to occur that would have planning commission uh, approval and how they could uh, streamline that. They looked at some of the, the built environment that we're requiring, such as setbacks, sidewalks, How do we still achieve both of those, potentially, though, make it easier for the developer and thus improve the final product for the the resident? All of this is kind of a work in progress, but this was a major first step to get us moving forward to be able to adjust things that we have seen occur within the development community and make those adjustments to our regulations on our side. This is a classic example of, you know, no one person makes this happen. It began with this group, it expanded upon that to receive the feedback that they've received. Uh, a lot of staff input from the different groups that work uh, with our planning departments, such as, such as our engineering department, and then also our planning commission that receives all this, and then finally bringing that to the board so that they get an understanding of what's occurring and why that is taking place. And I think this is something we have to do on a regular basis. I don't think it's a a one and done. I think we've got to constantly be going back and looking at the different trends in the housing market and understanding where we have to adjust to, to meet those trends, but also at the same time recognizing that we've got a certain set of standards if you're going to build in the city of Kingsport. And that's kind of what we're wanting to achieve, and I believe we have begun the process of achieving some of those goals. This group is continuing to work on other things. There's actually some software that we're going to be implementing probably uh, going live sometime this spring that will really streamline the interface between the builder and our building department. It'll also streamline a lot of the development approval process 
I won't go into that. That'll probably bore everybody to death, but it helps streamline some of those things. And then we're also looking at other options that are out there that would help incentivize residential development. More to come on this, but a great first step for those folks. Yeah, both those presentations indicate a lot of forward momentum for Kingsport coming up. Absolutely. It, it really does. And it really sets a lot up for calendar year 21 that we're very excited about with the multiple projects that we have going on within our city. Okay, so what about the uh, business meeting on September 1st? Sometimes we go through a business meeting and and people will look through the agenda, and I've probably stated this before, and there's budget adjustments, there's awarding of grants, and a lot of housekeeping matters, and there there is, and, and that's part of the transparency of our government, which is a great thing. These are items that require BMA approval, but for the podcast, I always try to kind of bullet down to three items that I think are pretty significant in terms of what was accomplished at that, and I'll do that for our September meeting. The first thing we did was award the bid for our planetarium upgrade. Yeah, I used to, to aggravate Jeff Fleming. He would make a statement, you know, we just did that about a year ago, and I would say, well, actually, Jeff, that was about eight years ago. And the reality that time kind of starts moving a little quicker. Technology uh, changes very fast. Technology definitely changes. And that is definitely what the case was with the planetarium. You know, it's been uh, about 11 years since we did the massive uh, modernization of our planetarium at Base Mountain Park. With everything, at a certain point, the equipment gets old. And it's no longer working at the level that you desire it to be. And so you need to replace it. That's not a cheap replacement. These are projectors, sound systems, lighting that we initially bought from a company called Zeller Zeiss out of Germany. And we're fortunate enough to have them also come back in and do a $1.2 million upgrade to our planetarium. So if you can remember, if you were there when we had the, uh, the unveiling about 11 years ago for the massive overhaul, how exciting that was and just being amazed by the technology and, and the creativity of our staff that put these shows together. Pretty certain when we reopen the planetarium after these improvements, we're going to see that that same level of excitement with this new equipment. And, you know, this is a great asset for the city. It's a great asset for the region. We have, again, very talented individuals that bring this to life and this new equipment will give them that great opportunity. Another exciting thing at the September 1 BMA meeting was to award the bid to still transfer for the move to the new city hall. And this is something that we have been uh, looking forward to uh, for several years as we've gone in and remodeled uh, this building here on 415 Broad Street, a great facility that I know the citizens of Kingsport are going to be extremely proud of. The staff is excited for the move. We're excited to be together in one facility and uh, it's a significant move and I can't think of anybody better than to have uh, Still Transfer, who's been in Kingsport, an outstanding community partner for years, uh, received that bid. We'll start moving this winter. Uh, We're kind of going through the the final touches of getting that facility ready uh, for us. More to come on that later but a major milestone to award this bid. And then the last thing I'll highlight from the September 1 meeting was the submission of a pedestrian bridge grant 
to the Tennessee Department of Transportation. So you go back to our conversation uh, in the work session when we talked about the Brickyard Park and all the things that we're wanting to do over there with Scott Adams Skate Park, the pump track, outdoor green space, the residential. One of the key pieces to this whole thing is this pedestrian bridge that would cross the railroad tracks. And so we are asking the Tennessee Department of Transportation that historically is awarded grants for the Greenbelt or for the beautifications we did on Broad Street to also award a grant uh, for the pedestrian bridge. This is about a $3 million project. Fortunately, through this grant, uh, 75% of that cost could be paid for by the state of Tennessee if we're successful in getting this grant. That grant needed to be approved. The submission of that grant needed to be approved by the BMA, which they did. Uh, They're very excited about this, as is staff. Uh, That grant goes to the state at the end of September, and then we will uh, hopefully begin having some conversations with state officials about receiving this grant. It would, if we are successful, it would probably be the largest grant that we've ever received for this type of work. To say we're excited and anxious would be an understatement. It would be a signature piece uh, in our downtown skyline. It would be a signature piece in connecting Brickyard to downtown. If you gauge the uh, folks who showed up for the required public hearing for the submission of this grant, it's one that the downtown community is very excited about as well. So we appreciate those folks that showed up, the feedback they provided, but really just that general uh, enthusiasm that they have for downtown Kingsport and the desire to see this project come to fruition. Okay, that was the first work session and business meeting of the month. What about uh, number two on the 14th and 15th? Yeah, so we quarterly receive an update from the Kingsport Economic Development Board as well as the Network Sullivan County Economic Development Partnership. Craig Dennison, who's the chairman for KEDB, and then Clay Walker, who's the CEO for Networks, routinely come to the board, give us an update on what those two entities are doing as it pertains to economic development. Uh, It's always a good conversation. It helps the board and it helps the community understand what these two entities are doing to either secure business or to recruit business to our city. The Economic Development Board really is an arm of the city. It was formed as part of the major overhaul through the state government uh, several decades ago to create industrial development boards to allow them to work with the state on economic development projects or to work independently on economic development projects. Craig Dennison's done an outstanding job. We have an outstanding board. And Craig just kind of talked through some of the things we've been working on the last quarter. Of course, the biggest thing for the Economic Development Board was the pilot that they were able to work with the city and the state to secure for Domtar, which kept Domtar here. So Craig hit on some of the highlights of that and kind of brought the board up to speed on the process that we're in now. You know, you you approve an agreement and then you go through the signature process. You also begin to go through the process of the exchange of property and all that is involved with that. You know, these agreements, you don't just approve it and walk away from it. There is some maintenance to that that occurs for a period of time until it's fully executed. And then from there, there's also a process of managing that going forward. So you have folks like Joel Conkin, who is the uh, attorney of the Economic Development Board. Elaine Bodenweiser kind of serves as the chief financial officer for that board really work with the city staff and work with the volunteers on this board to help bring all that together. So greatly appreciate the work they do. Great 
segue then to kind of talk a little bit about what Networks has been doing. Networks was heavily involved with everything really associated with keeping Domtar here. They're kind of our line back to the state when we talk about the state Department of Economic and Community Development. So they were actively involved with that. Uh, so Clay talked a little bit about that, and Clay also kind of brought us up to speed on all things regionalism. If you've been watching the papers or listening to the news, you know that's been a conversation that has been taking place for many months, really probably going back two years now, and kind of asking the question as, are we better together? Are we better as one regional entity for economic development? And so a lot of conversations are continuing to take place on that. And trying to understand how does that partnership come together? Is it just simply an agreement that we work together? Or is it diving into a little bit more of a more formal agreement that kind of brings different organizations together under one roof? And I think those are things that we're going to continue to see discussed. I don't think there is necessarily a clear path forward at this time. What I do believe that has occurred is that it's allowed us to to understand a lot more about what our neighbors do and then also understand the little things that we can begin doing to work better together. And so Clay talked about that with the board, gave us an idea too of really how things are going in the world of economic development and site selection and site recruitment in the middle of a pandemic. It's a lot different. Typically in the fall of the year, we see a lot of site selectors come in for an event that Networks hosts called Red Carpet Event. And that allows us to interface with these site selectors and potential developers and help them see what we have in our portfolio, uh, help them understand about the communities they would be recruiting to. Well, in the middle of a pandemic, you're not doing that. And so we've kind of had to change things up a little bit and and how we interface with those folks. All the folks at Networks have done a, a great job with that. From there, we kind of shifted our focus kind of back to looking at basic things that we should always be looking at when it comes to city operations, and that's where and and how do we house our employees. So when we started looking at the, the idea of consolidating multiple facilities into one facility at our new city hall on Broad Street, we also recognized that we had other existing facilities that would not be able to make the move, but we needed to make some improvements to. And the first on that list is our Justice Center. If we're going to leave City Hall, well, we have courtrooms here, and those courtrooms are going to have to go somewhere. So we began to look a couple years ago at how do we potentially bring those courtrooms over to the Justice Center, and what would be involved with that? Do we need to not only move folks out of the Justice Center into the, the new City Hall, which we are doing with our IT department, But do we also need to step back and ask ourselves, do we need additional square footage? What does the uh, space arrangements for our police department look like today? What does it need to look like tomorrow? Uh, And so Ryan McReynolds, who's really done an outstanding job leading the efforts for moving into the new city hall and the design associated with that has also been actively working on what improvements need to be made to the justice center not just looking at what we need to do to replace what we are losing in city hall but to step back and look at what do we need for the next 20 30 40 years ahead and so the board saw for the first time a rendering 
that looked at some modifications to the parking lot here at City Hall, also looked at some options for additions to the Justice Center. Really the direction that we received from the board was, well, let's go back and look at some other options that still achieve what you're looking at, but also give us that opportunity to potentially put all or some of the City Hall site back on the tax rolls. When we vacate these buildings on the Midland Center, which is where our legal and rest department is, and the Improvement Building, which is one of the oldest buildings in downtown Kingsport that houses our planning and a lot of our development functions, we need to put those back on the tax roll. We agreed absolutely we need to do that. And the same was said about City Hall as well. So what we're basically working with now is kind of looking at the square footage that we realize that we need, the adjustments that we want to make for safety and security, and then also how do we make continue to make sure the building is very accessible. And so the board looked at some things. We had some great discussion in terms of where we wanted to go with this and pushed that back to staff to come back and make some adjustments and bring that back at a future date. Lots of uh, interesting presentations this month. Absolutely. There definitely has been. Kind of feels like September was Economic Development Month. <laughs> there, You know, it really, in a lot of ways, it was. We, we spent a lot of time on that subject, but that kind of goes back to what we said at the, the beginning of this podcast is that we've kind of been in a reactive mode uh, dealing with the pandemic and to move more towards that proactive and asking ourselves, where do we need to be and what do we need to be doing that was a very healthy, very healthy conversation and very timely for us to begin mm-hmm. moving that direction. So on to the September 15th business meeting. Yeah. So again, kind of looking at the, the top three. So if you go back to the, our August 31st work session where I talked about the improvements to our development process, changes that we're making to our subregs, the first item of that came forward and that was to amend the zoning text for the planned development zoning district. And really what we started to go through in that process is asking ourselves in a planned development district, which has really become the norm for what you see in new subdivisions being built inside the city of Kingsport, what do we need to do to to match up with peer cities? What do we need to do to address some of the, the concerns that we heard from the feedback and that when we had with the focus groups? And that was the whole point of this, to go in and say, okay, I think we probably ought to reduce the amount of green space that we're requiring in these types of developments. And maybe we also need to look at the setback and maybe we also need to make some adjustments to the the sidewalks that are required or the pedestrian mobility path that is required. And again, a process that began from a staff level, talking to the focus groups, those customers or stakeholders, however you want to view them, moving up through the planning commission and then to the board for this zoning text amendment. So That was a major hurdle for us to move forward with. The board was very excited about that. Again, uh, we realized that need to attract residential development within our city. That is a a healthy thing that every city in America is constantly looking at, is how do they look at new housing development or the redevelopment of existing housing. And so this is one of many things that is necessary to continue to promote that growth. Along with that, second thing I'll hit on is a materials agreement for Gibson Springs Phase 3. Now, you may be asking, where is Gibson Springs? Well, that is Edinburgh South, located uh, out uh, in the Rock Springs uh, area. is now being referred to as Gibson Springs. And the materials agreement was approved for an 18-lot development. 
And this is a great program where we provide water and sewer material for a development. The developer then goes in and, and installs that per our specs. This is a program, again, it's not unique to Kingsport. It's one of those that's out there. It's a great program to have in your toolbox. And we've had that in place for well over a decade. Since we've put that in place, it has resulted in 921 new or proposed lots within our within our city and of those 921 lots 558 have received building permits so you think about that and of course you always ask the question well would that have occurred had we not had the materials agreement it's a hard question to answer i like to think that this has aided in far more than what would have occurred had we not had that agreement so very excited to continue to see that moving forward and that being a very uh, sound uh, tool that we have available. During our conversation with the board on August 31st, we talked about are there other th things that we want to add to that materials agreement and staff is continuing to research that to look to see what would be out there and I think we'll be seeing some items come forward in the very near future that will help further promote growth uh, within our city. And then the last thing we talked about, and again, you mentioned this was kind of the Economic Development Month, and in a lot of ways it is, but several years ago, the Economic Development Board for the city of Kingsport went in and purchased a piece of property from Andy Brooks, and that property was located there at the intersection of Market and Clinchfield, and then also at the intersection of Center and Clinchfield. It was actually a portion of that property we had been leasing from Andy Brooks for many years for parking to support the academic village. The Economic Development Board had an opportunity to buy it. They went in, they bought it, they then subdivided it, cleaned it up, and sold a portion of that at the intersection of Clinchfield and Center to Regions Bank. And so they were able to go in, uh, build a very nice building there, open that up, and then reserve the back half, which has historically been parking. Um, for continued parking for the city of Kingsport. In fact, we have plans to come in at some point and, and rebuild that parking lot. But Economic Development Board historically would not hold a piece of property that the city is going to use for its own use. And so that property needed to be conveyed back. That was really something we had looked to do probably about six months ago. But the pandemic kind of slowed that down. And so to go in, transfer that property over, a good step, but it also allowed us to reflect on the really the positive change that this acquisition has made for downtown and uh, really to kind of also kind of look to the future as to what this piece in the academic village could be going forward. So other than that, both agendas saw a lot of uh, housekeeping matters. Both agendas in September were filled with a lot of grants, especially those from the uh, uh, Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Our police department does an outstanding job of mining those grants, getting those in here. A lot of amendments to existing grants, such as our community development block grant there, as well as budget adjustments that we make throughout the year to either uh, accept revenue or donations that have come in or the receipt of grants, and then to make adjustments to make sure those are in the necessary buckets for us to spend them uh, accordingly so that as we go through the, the year those dollars are in, in the right areas so the, a lot of that takes place people always say we well, got these budget adjustments on there all the time but they're really going through the process that requires board action for us to properly spend our money I talked about transparency of government 
no better example of that than right here at the local level. So that's September. That's September. Glad at least BMA meetings are starting to feel normal again. Absolutely. They, they most definitely are. And we've got a lot of uh, a lot of items coming up over the next three months as we close out this calendar year. So uh, stay tuned and we'll try to keep you informed as to what's going on. Thanks for sharing, Chris. Thank you. Thank you.